0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. Christ. The crowd came together again, so that Jesus and his disciples could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, He has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebul, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out demons. And he called them to him and spoke to them in parables How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, He has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, He said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the one God who is lover, beloved, and love overflowing, You'll have to forgive me, but having been ordained a priest less than a week, I have vows on my mind. And while I don't find it the most comforting image in scripture to describe the vowed life, today's gospel text certainly provides us with an apt one. No one can plunder the strong man's house without first binding up the strong man, then you can plunder his house. Let's hear that again. No one can plunder the strong man's house without first binding up the strong man, then you can plunder his house. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't find it too hard to chafe at the idea of being bound and plundered. Boundaries, rules, and commitments limit our freedom of expression and action. Beginning with the vows we made or that were made on our behalf at baptism, We Christians agree to live in alignment with the will and desire of God, made known to us in Scripture, the traditions of our ancestors, the revelations of our communities, and the whispering of the Spirit in our own hearts. We are not free to do solely as we wish at least not if we desire to live lives of integrity and purpose. And yet, binding is not primarily a term of limitation. We also speak of the bonds of fellowship and love, of the ties that unite us and draw us closer to the ones we love. And one binds wounds so that torn flesh can knit itself back together again. Isaiah gives us perhaps the most beautiful image of binding that we have in the scriptures, an image that Jesus picks up at his first public teaching The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. In his rule for the community, our founder describes purity of heart As the goal of every Christian life. Now, purity in this context could better be translated as unity of heart. The goal of every Christian life is unity of heart, which is to say, the directing of our entire being toward God body, mind, spirit, and heart all that we are, centered in love on the one who gives us life. But you see, most of us, most of the time, are like that house divided against itself. We do truly wish to love God with our whole selves, And sometimes we really are like the eager disciple of Benedict's rule, who in a fit of love is eager to take the narrow road, of which the Lord says, narrow is the road that leads to life. In our ardor and eagerness, we make promises and commitments, We agree no longer to live by our own judgment, giving in to our whims and appetites, but rather we choose to walk according to another's decisions and directions. And that part of us is real and good. But that eager disciple is not alone in our house. All too soon, the strong man of our own willfulness, our stubborn desire to have things our own way, our self-righteous anger at others' perceived shortcomings, or our own, and our certainty about what is good and what is not, return to dominate us and divide us from our heart's deepest desire which is for union with God. And not only do these dynamics rage within us individually, but they also do so corporately. How often have we allowed our fear of the losses of aging and financial insufficiency to lead us to the safe choice rather than the prophetic one? How often have we really turned down the volume of our certainty that we have the right answer or the right way forward to listen to the deeper stirrings of the Spirit within our own or another's heart? And is our first question always, what new work is God calling forth from us today? Or is it often, what do I want and how can I get it? We need the commitments that we have made in the flush of our eager love to hold us when the strong men of self-will, doubt, arrogance, and fear begin to dominate us. The vows we have made bind up these strong men so that they can be healed and transformed, so that their strength and energy can be directed toward the building up of the body in love. And here is a paradox for us. True freedom is the freedom to surrender our entire being to the transforming movement of God's love in and among us, and in so doing to become conduits of that transforming love to a hurting and fractured world. When we allow ourselves to be bound up and healed, then we can become the wounded healers That this world so desperately needs. As we all know, this process is not an easy one. Purity of heart, the founder writes, is never attained without pain and suffering. However, such pain and suffering can be an agent of cleansing, detachment simplification, and a humility that leads to greater and greater dependence on God. He continues, as a community dedicated to the Holy Cross, we cannot escape witnessing to this truth, namely that it is only in and through self-sacrifice that we come to share in Christ's victory. The image of the contemplative, cleaving, we might say bound, in loving adoration to God amid chaos, temptation, spiritual dryness, and apparent uselessness can serve as an archetype of our lives as Christians and monastics. The key to this whole process Lies in the complete surrender of our will to God as revealed in our crucified Lord. It is the essence of our vow of obedience. We cannot bind ourselves or the strong men that dominate our house. We cannot unite ourselves individually or collectively but we can surrender to the work of God within and among us. We can recommit ourselves to the vows we have made and to the common life in which we have made them. We can hold out our wounded, fractured hearts to the crucified and risen one who binds up those hearts And makes them whole again. He will heal us. He will bind us in and to His love. He will set us free.